You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. There's a place here at the table. Your coats go by the door. You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor. I hope you wore elastic because your waistband's going to get tight. Take time's done. We're having a night. Hello. Hi, listeners. It's Sophie. And Ari, and you're listening to Having a Night, the Reviving. Dinner Party Podcast. Yes, the Dinner Party <laughs> Podcast. But the Dinner Party download already exists, so we definitely can't use that. What is that? I have no idea. Maybe we should find out by listening to it sometime. I do believe I listened to it once, and it was not what I thought it was going to be. Like I thought it was going to be what we do, but it was just, it was not really about food. It was just about like, conversations that happen at dinner parties, which is fine, but I don't think it's good of a, I think a misleading title for a very miss unless it's like, Oh, you should download this before you have a dinner party so that you know what to talk about at your dinner party. Like that's actually a a brilliant idea for a podcast. (gasps) Oh my God. Yeah. For the least creative person ever. But like, think about it. It would be sort of like every, let's say Thursday, you review the week's events that includes like sports, pop, music, theater, movies. I mean, it's called read a newspaper is another version, but right. Mm -hmm. It could just be sort of like a concise thing of like, here's what to talk about this week. Like Dua Lipa has a new single. Okay. That's not true. Don't, don't everybody get excited, but you know, Uh, (laughs) breaking through a window. Sorry. Meaning the title dinner party download would not be misleading if that's what it is. Well, I think we should do that. Um, Tell me about your anniversary. Oh my God. What you ate on your anniversary. So we tried to make reservations like at a million places. And then we were very tired because the night before our anniversary, we had dinner with David Tannis and Mm -hmm. wonderful, wonderful boyfriend, Randall. We made pizzas in the outdoor pizza oven. I feel much more confident in using it now, which is kind of great. Oh my great. God, what did you learn? So what I learned, okay. First of all, our main problem clearly has always been the dough because we're just we're just not dough people. We're not baking people. So our dough has never been that great. Thankfully, David brought his own dough. So that already we were like 10 steps ahead. But the oven, once you, the key is to get the floor really, really, really hot. Mm-hmm. And then of course you keep the fire going, but as long as the floor is hot, you don't have to be as nervous about the oven not being between like 700 and a thousand degrees. Mm-hmm. So we got the floor really hot and then sort of kept feeding the fire and like it, the temperature would go down or up. So the pizzas would take shorter or longer to cook, but because the floor was so hot, because we had gotten it hot for an hour, then you really get the pizzas actually cooked through. Cause part of our problem had been that oh. they would always end up like a little raw. I see. So that was big question. Yeah. 
I don't know if you can answer this or if you've attempted this with your prior problem before, you know, before David Tannis remedied it. Could you have like done the dough kind of on its own first, then put the toppings on, then put it back? So I thank you so much for asking that question because I, (laughs) every single time we make pizzas, I suggest that to my parents. I'm like, let's just do one. And then we'll do like ricotta on top. We don't have to do a mozzarella that needs to melt. Like we can put on ricotta. We can put on all kinds of, all manner of things, even just good olive oil. Right. And I was like, no, no, we have to do it the real way. And then of course it's a goddamn disaster because exactly the toppings make it soggy. Right. Right. Like the toppings make it wet. So if your problem is it not getting cooked through, removing the damp yeah, or like giving it some time to dry out a bit before and then adding it, maybe popping it back in like up for a broiler effect. I don't know. Don't know. I, never done I, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think now that hopefully maybe we, maybe with David Tannis's pizza recipe, we will have like gotten it a little more down. Mm. But I think it's also just practice, like watching someone who works with actual fire all the time and how casual he is about it. It's like when you watch Fran- Francis Malman and he's just like, just so relaxed. Whereas I see fire and I'm like, Oh fuck. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Emergency. So I was slight, we were slightly tired on Sunday. So we decided not to go out to dinner. And instead my dad had given us a gift of the most insanely beautiful steak I've ever seen in my life. Very, very, very high grade Wagyu. I think there's like a, a system rating or something. This was like a triple a five mm-hmm. stars. Couldn't recommend highly enough. I mean, I think it's like outrageously expensive, which is why it was an anniversary present. So we got home. I did not feel like going and buying groceries or anything, but we had these three beautiful endive. I had cooked some asparagus earlier. So I made a little salad with dill, endive, asparagus, some lemon zest, simple, really good olive oil, uh, vinegar. Before that we had, oh my God. Okay. I had some green garlic. Mm -hmm. I chopped up the green garlic and I put it in olive oil. Then Mm -hmm. I put that, I like drizzled that over toast. And then we had caprese. So you put your piece of like beautiful tomato and mozzarella on top of the toast. So it was like a caprese bruschetta. Exactly. Exactly. And because it was, it was not Buffalo mozzarella, it was regular mozzarella. So I felt like it could use a little bit of extra help. Yeah. So we had that. And then we did the steak. I cooked the steak, just heated my grill pan for like 20 minutes before, and then just seared it. And it was just salt and pepper. Of course, that salad. So fucking good. Oh my God. And then just piece of dark chocolate. Well, Harry went out and he got ice cream, but, um, that was, you didn't, you know, I was in my like see-through robe. I was like, I don't feel like going out, but he Uh actually did bring me back a cone to then make my own spoon, some of his ice cream into my little cone. Cause I was like, I'm not interested in ice cream if it's not in a cone. So it was perfect. It was like relaxed, fabulous. We had some good wine and that was it. What did you eat this week? Instead of talking about what I ate this week, I just want to go over what I ate on my drive. Oh, great. Like 13 hours by myself. Oh my God. I didn't realize that you drove. Yeah. 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 Jeez. Wow. 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 Yeah. Because I learned a lot about road snacks. Cause usually I'm driving with someone, right. but it was different driving all alone. Hold and on. I have like, a question. Was yes. this the longest drive you've ever done on your own? For sure. Okay. I'm like, I just want to hear all about the psychological experience of that. Did you have your podcast lined up? Like 
What was your plan? I actually just listened to um, a book. Mm. So that, and it was actually not bad at all. Totally. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good with um, long, like psychologically understanding long periods of time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm less good with sitting for a long time, just physically. Mm-hmm. So like my butt was going numb and my hips kind of hurt. Are you a cruise control gal? No. Me neither. And I'm like, I got to be a cruise control person because otherwise road trips are painful. Yeah. I don't, I like realized, oh, I could probably turn that on. But then I'm like, I don't know where that button is. Totally. And it's also, I turn it on and I'm like, wait, are you cruise controlling me automatically only to the speed limit? You know, right. I'm scared. Then it's like, do I do, is my foot then on the brake? Like ready on the break or is it on the, I don't know. Everyone listening to this is like, you fucking idiot. (laughs) I don't know. How do you do it? Tell me, DM me. Anyway, so I had many, many snacks. All of them had to be handheld. So nothing like fork or spoon because one hand needs to be on the wheel. Yep. Um, (laughs) That unless you're in a Tesla, apparently they're just like self-driving these days. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. I had first, I had like a giant vat of little local strawberries and blueberries from Michigan that were so good. And I I also had like a fleet, an array of outstanding non-alcoholic beverages. So I had like different kombuchas. I had like all these weird CBD calms or energy drinks. I had all different types of flavors of sparkling water that were not LaCroix. Okay. So then I had like a little mini bagel, cinnamon raisin bagel. I had like a hard boiled egg, but what I realized was the little Tupperware bin that I used to hold the, um, ras- or the blueberries and strawberries. If I put that on my lap, especially like if I had a bucket on my lap, as opposed yeah. to, cause if, when I've driven long distances before, I've basically lined my entire body with paper towels. <laughs> like in, like from the neck down. <laughs> yeah, because if you're eating a Chipotle burrito while going 80 miles an hour, you right. will get guac on your yes. lap. Yes. Yes. And just like somewhere to put it, but you don't want to, you don't have to put it in the exact right spot. It can just go anywhere. Right. But the problem with that is it can like go between your legs. It can just move. It's there's too much movement. So having like a bin or a like a, like a feed bucket is really essential because then it's like, uh-oh, this guy swerves in front of you. You could just drop it and it just goes, you know where it is. Yeah. It's contained by, there's no, like, you know, it doesn't splash because it has sides. Wow. So Guys, maybe you heard it marketing, first. You know, yeah, exactly. Having a night feed bucket. <laughs> wow. What would we call it? The driving bin. That's got a real <laughs> ring to it. Yeah. The drive, the drive bin. It's a pun on the drive-in. God, this is genius. So you didn't do any stops, it sounds like. I mean, I had to stop. um, And stuff, right. Yeah. And I I got, no, I don't think I bought any food. I had a lot of food. It's also like, how much food can one person eat on a road trip? You have, it's not even like I was hungry. It's just boredom and just trying to keep your energy up and create, I don't know, different experiences. But I feel like you treated, like you treated this the way that I often want to treat flying on an airplane, mm. which is basically like, it's a vacation. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm going to eat all my foods that I'm excited about. I'm going to like bring all these things to amuse me. But yeah. unfortunately on a plane, it's like, I'm not, I'm so overwhelmed by like the liquid situation when you go through security that like, I never bring real snacks. Sometimes I'll bring like a salad if I had to get rid of something in my refrigerator, mm-hmm. 
But you know, it's like that vacation where you're like, okay, I'm going to listen to my things. I'm going to watch some movies. I'm not mm-hmm. doing any work, turning my brain off, except for keeping your eyes on the road. Mm-hmm. And just going to have some fun snacks. Yeah. It's great. What book did you listen to? I listened to, what is it called? Hidden Valley Road. Uh, it came out last year. It's uh, nonfiction about this uh, family in Colorado with 12 kids and six of them were diagnosed with schizophrenia. It's about like the history of schizophrenia. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's really good. I guess we can just get into our episode. Unless yeah, we'll guys. Say about your road trip. No. I mean, my final meal was <laughs> a bunch of leftover barbecue chicken. Once again, not anything I could have imagined eating in a car, but because I had this bin, I was safe. Well, ex- I was safe. Also, some things... More things are finger foods than people think, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. barbecue chicken. Total That's, you know, truer words were never spoken. <laughs> More foods are finger foods than you think. So guys, for our finale, our season finale, uh, I got to interview the lovely Sophie von Hasselberg. Finally. Finally, man. Finally. I couldn't, couldn't track her down. never wanted to know. <laughs> Let's listen to your fabulous interview. So without further ado, here I am interviewing Sophie. Okay, Sophie, are you ready for your super-duper interview? (laughs) I'm a little scared, but I'm ready. What was the last thing you ate today? Oh, I stopped by a panini place um, on my way uptown. I had walked downtown. It's Harry's and my anniversary on Sunday. So I'd walk downtown to kind of look for a present, didn't find anything, but I did find a panini shop. So I had a panini cold, <laughs> ciabatta, tomato, not tomato seasons, but that's okay. Tomato, mozzarella, artichokes, and uh, arugula. And then I got home and I drizzled the whole thing with a shit ton of olive oil. Cause like I need that bread to be soaking something yummy up and a little bit of extra salt. And that's what I ate. It was quite delicious. So I just, for <laughs> listeners who don't know, I'm going to ask him now a very specific question about more about into this panini. What is it about New York? Like all these weird panini shops, but also like certain bodegas, like little kind of places to pick up food like that have, have those half moon paninis that are made out of that, like really, really thin, Ugh. almost like a pita bread. I've only ever seen those in New York and they have like the fake grill marks on them and then they throw them back in the little grill. What is, where did that come from? That's a uniquely New York thing. Let me sound on this topic. Yes. So those sandwiches started around the same time that make your own salad bars started, which let me tell you, this was when I was in high school, early high school, maybe late middle school, but I think early high school. And it was so exciting to walk into a place and be like, oh, I can make my own salad. I can choose if I want these shelled edamame pods in my salad. Yes. Choose if Mm -hmm. I want this, you know, huge dollop of disgusting, weird goat cheese in my salad, you know, and then you could choose if they, if they mixed it for you, whatever. So around that same time, it was like when bodegas suddenly went from being bodegas to being kind of like quasi markets, I guess, which of course there are so like real bodegas, but the sandwiches made a real splash on the scene. I have eaten many, many, many of those sandwiches. And I think only like, you know, in the last 10 years have I realized like, no, those are, they're kind of gross. 
sorry, if people love this, I don't mean to say that they're gross. It's just like they were probably made three days ago and then they sit in stacks in like, you know, as if they're in what's like stadium seating. Yeah. Stadium seating. Yeah. So hilarious. This was not one of those places. This was a place called La Panineria. Panineria. Sorry, I'm not Italian-American. I can't pronounce it correctly. You, how dare you even attempt the, the correct pronunciation? You. Well, I'm going to skip ahead because you mentioned an event that is happening soon, which is your anniversary. Yeah. So last summer, very different, looked very different from this summer. Uh, not a lot of things happened, but you did get married. I was lucky enough to attend your beautiful wedding. You can listen to that episode too. Um, yeah. from last season. Yes. yes. From season two. What are you guys going to do to celebrate this year? What, what's the plan? What's okay. the night? So first of all, I would say like, I'm very, as an individual, I am not into celebrating like Valentine's day anniversaries. Like all of that stuff has always made me cringe. But for some reason, now that I'm with Harry, he's like such a loves to celebrate and like any reason to celebrate, he kind of grabs by the horns. And so suddenly I've become like really into celebrating these things, which has been a real shock for me. But our anniversary, so in my head, it's like we have many, many anniversaries because we have that. We have the first anniversary of the first time we ever made out. We have the anniversary of when we started dating, but I think the wedding anniversary will eventually take take the cake. Oh, we actually, speaking of cake, we do have old wedding cake. Is that like something people do on their anniversary or something? Yes. First anniversary? I don't know why. I think so. I think every year. Oh, geez. What it's I don't understand. Like, I don't get that at all. Can we get some kind of wedding cake expert on finally? Yeah. Because, you know, you hear these people be like, you shouldn't keep anything in your fridge freezer longer than six months apparently with the exception being your wedding cake which lasts which a lifetime exactly <laughs> don't get that i don't understand yeah this chicken stock is gonna go off in a month but your wedding cake um Keep that so maybe we'll do that although that hadn't really occurred to me i by the time this episode airs the anniversary will have happened so i'm not worried about giving away any surprises the biggest surprise being that I haven't planned anything and I haven't gotten him anything yet. I did write him quite a long letter, which I was like, you know, words speak louder than presence. So I'm hoping that that will warm his Yes. Mind. If you're listening, what would you Mary, want to I'd do? Try. What would I want to I do? I would yes. want to have a fabulous bottle of champagne. I would want to have some oysters, which we would shuck ourselves. I would want to have. Ooh, maybe like a really creamy risotto with like, oh, you're so British truffle butter and maybe like a chocolate mousse. I would just want to feel, I would want us both to get dressed up, even if it's just for the two of us, especially if it's just for the two of us, get really dressed up, get really drunk and like eat a lot at home. Fun. Maybe there could be like a game in there somewhere, (laughs) a two person game of charades. No, like (laughs) play backgammon or something. I don't know. Feel old fashioned in some way. Fun. I love that. Well, that can't wait to hear what you actually do. Thank you. So I just have one, one question. Cause now I'm just on a roll with jumping from being inspired by your answers to jump through my questions. So yes, Harry's into celebrating. It's gotten you more into celebrating. I think the nation as a whole is into celebrating. There have been scientific studies done that, you know, a way to combat 
depression and kind of this languishing that everyone has felt over the past 14 months is, is to not only practice gratitude, but to celebrate the small things and just to celebrate and not have to wait for big holidays, but really just to get socialized, get together and, and cheers and toast each other, blah, blah, blah. Totally. So I'm thinking about, um, your pool and pool parties, like what's, happening there is there going to be a pool party what's on the menu like what is the best food to eat at a pool party what's the best food to eat at a pool party we both know the answer the answer is cheeseburgers and chips <laughs> oh my god oh baby i can't wait for my summer cheeseburgers i would love to have a pool party now is the time for pool parties you know last year was lonely although i did spend some time by a pool I just don't like being the person manning the grill during a pool party. You know, it's like, I'm trying to be a social butterfly, trying to have my hands in those various chip bowls. Flipping the burgers is not on the agenda. So it's sort of like, I have to then turn that over to Harry or someone else who's interested in manning the grill. But uh, yeah, Yeah. cheeseburger. What about you? Um, (laughs) You're such a good interviewee. I think burgers, um, corn, like something you can kind of be holding and like with a napkin and you, it, you lose your plate somewhere. It doesn't matter because it's all, all handheld. Oh, you know, I'm really, really still into hot dogs. I mean, last summer for me was a big hot dog summer and it's, it's all, it's has not stopped. It's, it's the train is going strong and fast. And I mean, I'm if the it. Italians are like, we, if you have chicken, you got to have a sausage. The summer is basically like, if you have a burger, you got to have a hot dog. You got to have a hot I dog. I love a hot dog. In fact, I was walking by a hot dog cart today and like very nearly got one. And then yeah. I got my panini 10 blocks up. So now we'll go back. Who were your biggest influences? Who taught you how to cook? What are your some early memories of, of things that you cooked when you were just beginning? So my dad is definitely my biggest influence. My mom also cooks and cooks several things incredibly well. But my dad was like the primary cook in the family. So similar to you, I think he was like kind of my my biggest influence. Um, and when people ask what kind of food he cooks, I really don't know what to say because he's German, but he grew up, really grew up in the UK and moved here when he was like in his 30s, which now that I'm in my 30s, I'm like, mm. oh, that's so weird. It's like, I think obviously of myself as having many years ahead of myself you know, so realizing like, oh, he wasn't old when he moved to the States. Like he was a child. Yes. I think of myself still as a child. So his cooking really, really influenced me. I mean, just an incredible roast chicken, but not just a standard roast chicken. Like it has fennel seeds and some cumin seeds and not fenugreek, but like he would always make this particular chicken. I have the thing in my, I have the recipe for it in my phone, makes up a lot of recipes. His salads were always incredible. He just has a real knack for putting things together, which I am working so hard to inherit. I don't think that I've quite gotten there yet. So him, and then we had, for a while, we had um, a housekeeper named Lisa who was German and she would make, this was like when I was really a kid, like four or younger, (laughs) and she would make a kohlrabi with a bechamel that I- Oh, you've told me about that. So, so great. Well. Oh my God. It was incredible. And then my old babysitter, Tracy Cunningham, who is so wonderful and is now a hair colorist. 
she became a really, really, really good cook. And she would make these gigantic matzo balls and those like her chicken soup and her matzo balls were just seared in my memory. And then in terms of like, I think I probably started out making salads. Like I think the first thing I really did was try to mimic my dad's salad dressing. Oh, and then pasta. I was like always just making, I mean, you know, it was like in high school, I would go out, I would get drunk. And then like my boyfriend at the time and I would go home to one of our houses and I would like make pasta. I wouldn't make a sauce from scratch. I would just like put a, take a shit ton of butter and Parmesan or olive oil. Oh and my Parmesan. God. And I mean, those are always the best meals, right? It's like the ones that you sort of stir up at 3 a.m. Yum. Um, and what were you cooking in college? Can you remember the first time you had like, tried to have a dinner party kind of, you know, before you moved to this, before you had graduated, I, I, I'm sure you had like in in your weird, like college house. So this I asked you because I weirdly feel like I did no cooking in college. Similar to you, I was in dorms for three and a half out of the four years. So one semester I was living in China, sorry. So I was living in China. And then when I moved back halfway through the year, I lived in an apartment, but the apartment was above a restaurant called hot tomatoes, which had Mm -hmm. the most disgusting, delicious garlic bread, like cheesy garlic bread. So, you know, half of my dinners, if like I wasn't eating in the dining hall with friends or going over to someone's house, I would like just get like cheesy garlic bread. You were the cheesy garlic bread girl. (laughs) I'm just like imagining my pores just like leaching oil. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's something about a cheesy garlic bread that is like has a direct relationship to a pimple. Yes, like, totally. Unlike if sugar might take a little way, but it gets there eventually. But I feel like che- a garlic bread moment, it's like coming straight out of pour. Oh my god, so gross! <laughs> yeah, it's so good, popper, so good. So wow. I would like, but so I didn't really, I think, properly cook when I was in college, which also is ironic because now I'm realizing my friend Goldberger whom I love so much would have these, what he referred to as like family dinner, which was Thursdays. I think he would like invite over, you know, like his whole kind of group of friends. Mm. And I remember in my head being like, like throwing shade about whatever, whoever was cooking, whatever. Oh my God. No. Like, Oh, like I wouldn't do it like that or blah, blah, blah. And in reality is like, I wasn't fucking cooking at all. And yet, you know, the courage of my own convictions, I have always believed very strongly in my own taste, which is probably makes me an asshole. So love it. Um, where do we go from here? I just want to talk about cheesy garlic bread forever. (laughs) We'll just say one thing about college, which is like, I, we ate an, I ate in my dining hall a lot because I was living on campus for so much of the time. And they had this homemade granola there. And like, this was back when we all thought granola was healthy, which like, I still do think it's healthy, but this was clearly just like, covered in brown sugar and therefore very delicious, but it was like every meal would end and I would be like, I'm not satisfied. And so I would go and have my huge bowl of, oh my God. Yeah. uh, Strawberry yogurt and like, you know, bulk bin, bulk bin style granola Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. covered. And I mean, like that to me is actually the flavor of college is like strawberry yogurt with this granola. Strawberry yogurt. I would either do strawberry or I would do the plain, but for some reason they like didn't always have plain. So sometimes I had to go straws. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She's wild. Um, what? So college is over. You're, you're living Thank in God. the city. Did you move immediately to China or did you have some time in New York? I had the summer in New York, I believe, or like two months in New York. 
Well, you can answer this in terms of New York, but also you can feel free to answer in China. I want to know, like, what was a night like in your early 20s? Wow. 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 Okay. Well, when I was living in China, it was intense because, you know, you're living as an expat and that means like there are only so many other expats that you are initially introduced to. And Mm -hmm. most of those people love to party. So we were like hitting the clubs. We would usually go out for dinner, have like an amazing Chinese dinner. I mean, I miss the food there so, so, so much. And then we would go kind of bar hopping, I guess. There was a place, I remember there was a place called, kind of similar to college. It was like, okay, on Tuesdays you go here, on Wednesdays you go here, on Thursdays, et cetera, et cetera. And like, you just sort of always knew who you were going to bump into in these different places. And of course there were like quiz nights and you know, this and that, but there was a place called Laris owned by a guy named David Laris, who was like a bald Australian guy. And I think Thursdays it was like half price martinis, but it was a very fancy restaurant, but like, you know, you could, because martinis were half price, you could like go. So you would go and get, Oh my God, hammered. And then people, everybody <laughs> allowed to smoke indoors. So you would right. be reeking of cigarettes. You probably bummed like a few cigarettes off of whomever. Oh my um, God. And then there was a place called Dragon Club, which opened at 7 a.m. Yeah. So it opened at 7 a.m. So you would basically like, if you wanted to have a real night, oh. you would have to stay out until seven. And then you would go into Dragon Club and it was like, I don't know, like you just felt, first of all, like you were having the best event, but also like the most disgusting person who has ever existed because what by What time would you leave? Sorry, go on. Wow. Leave it like, honestly, I could only really stay there for like an hour and a half because my voice would be like gone within the first five minutes. Everybody's like doing drugs. It was like a Same. pretty wild situation, but felt very lawless in a way that like, you know, coming from America and like being in a different country, it was just so exciting. I think Dragon Club, Dragon Bar, Dragon Club is closed now. Um, but I so that can't would, believe that. And then you would go home and like obviously shower, but your hair would like still. I mean, you had to yeah. like practically burn your clothes, like incinerate them on the way home. Oh, yeah, and then wake up and do the whole thing over again. But there were some oh really my- fun dance clubs, and my friend Andrew Pollins is was is an amazing dancer, and he was like my first friend that I met there. So we would go out dancing a lot, which was great. I mean, up until Dragon Club, that sounds amazing. And, but living in China, how did that change, you know, your thoughts on, or your tastes and, and what you, what flavors you, you were drawn to and, and just, you know, did you cook for yourself there and just shopping in those markets? Like, what was your, what did you have for lunch? Like, what did you make yourself for breakfast? I would wake up for our listeners who don't know at this, this point, I was working for an advertising agency in Shanghai. So I'd wake up in my apartment and my apartment was like very close to the subway that I had to take on the way to the subway was a Denjunai cha place, which is like the, like a boba milk tea. So I would hmm. go and I would get a hot boba milk tea. And then like the, those balls, they get like very squidgy when they're in warm tea, which I highly yeah. drink my boba tea, which had so much sugar in it. Like I would be feel very nauseous until lunchtime. Oh then, my God. <laughs> then I would, you know, sit at my desk doing strategic planning, whatever that even meant. And then my friend Rami and I, Rami was from Shanghai and she and I would always go and we would have Dongbei Tsai, which is like the Northeastern cuisine. So we would have this amazing cabbage dish. And mm. then she would always get a noodle soup, sorry, a, a dumpling soup. And I would always just get like a plate of dumplings. So 
either oh like pork God. and chive dumplings or, you know, whatever kind. And I mean, it's just cabbage for days. Sometimes we would get, um, which is three treasures. It's eggplant, peppers, and potatoes. Mm-hmm. So good. And maybe like a little cucumber salad. And then if I was cooking for myself, I actually cooked like a lot of Western food because that was of course what I missed. Right. I really didn't eat very much Western food while I was there. So I would make like chocolate chip cookies and I would make pasta, but like very, very rudimentary. Like I was not kicking out the jams and doing anything out of my comfort zone, which like, you know, I was 22. So what could I expect? I'm fascinated. When did you start? Cause by the time I met you, you were an amazing cook. When did you start cooking for like, just more seriously for yourself and, and then for others? I guess when I moved home, which it's so funny. Cause I don't feel like there was a particular time because I always felt like I cooked because I started cooking when I was like, you know, 10 or 11. Right. I think I cooked a lot middle school and high school, but not, but I just wasn't living on my own. And then I had like this weird, really long pause where if I was mm-hmm. at home with my parents, I would cook. But if I was, you know, living by myself in a foreign country, I would like try to see friends or go and explore. Of course. Then when I moved back, I did start cooking more in earnest. And I remember I was living with my friend Ilana in the West Village. We wanted to like have a dinner party and we had like just huge arguments over what to cook. Oh my God. And she wanted to make sure there was a protein. I was like, that's not fucking European. You don't have to have a protein. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Nightmare. So by that point, I clearly had very strict ideas about what it, what should and should not be served at a dinner party. Oh, wow. Those were the days. I was just going to say that like grad school was, I think, where it took off in the sense of like, I was cooking for myself yeah. every day, often multiple times a day. And that was where I think I like really delved in, I guess. And just became more aware. Yeah. And also it's like, I want to be eating good food because I have very good taste. So how do I do that? And then suddenly you're down the the rabbit hole of of how to get better. Exactly. Yeah. Suddenly you're you're spending $200 at Whole Foods and like on what, I don't know, what could could one spend money on at Whole Foods? Well, everything. Yes. Do you remember we used to go to Whole Foods once a week and also get Manny Petties? Of course I remember. That was like, that was like our only respite from a very, very intense experience. It was so great. So fun. Do you have anything, um, any dishes from your old like repertoire that make you cringe now? Like something you would like make a lot like for a dinner party that you thought like, oh, this is my signature that now you're like, Jesus, I can't believe I've, I always cooked that. Oh my God. I kind of wish that I did just because I think it's so fun to look back like at my style from my twenties or anything like that and cringe. But I think I was like probably experimenting a lot in, in making a lot of different things and they probably weren't that good but I was like mm-hmm. probably pretty intent on not repeating myself. So I don't think I had like a proper repertoire. Did you? No, I think there were like certain chicken dishes that I would make. I don't even really remember what they were that were like just not very good and and like too heavy. And I would make them like in the summer, like in my tiny New York apartment, like with one air conditioning unit, I'd be like, you know, making some heavy chicken dish. It's like, what am I doing? <laughs> Um, just knowing that this, I can make this and it will be good and not thinking about the fact that it's 90 degrees outside. Right. When you go to someone's house for a dinner party, what is like a sign that tells you, Sophie, like, oh, this is going to be a good dinner party. 
Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh my God. I get so excited about dinner parties. Guys, if anybody ever <laughs> wants to invite me over, I'd love to be invited. Come on. You will have plans for days. Uh, I plans, but everybody wants to eat out. I want to go oh. to someone else's house. God damn it. First of all, the fact that there are drinks at the ready. If I walk in and everything mm-hmm. seems empty and nobody is like talking to me about what I want to drink, that yeah. is like, I wouldn't say I think it's going to be a disaster, but I am like, are you going to, you going to offer me something? Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it because I'm actually kind of bad about this, but like if there are little platters of things out already for me to nibble on, if there are poo-poos, I think it's going to be, I think it's a very good sign. I had the same answer. And then like I, I feel like I've gotten off of the antipot. Like we talk so much about antipasi that I feel like then I, I don't do it. Yeah, I know. And Harry's very good about this. He's always like, we have to have, he always calls them like heavy nibs. Like you have to like have nibs out for people, which I totally agree with. And yet I'm always like, but, but I'm working on the main event. Like I'm right. like freaking out over like whatever I'm doing. And of course the last thing is if the kitchen smells good, that's very promising. True. Great answers. And when you are having a dinner party, or let's say in this new phase of of, of revived dinner parties 2021, yeah. what how are you envisioning like this summer? Like how are you starting your parties? That's a good question. So I actually am attempting to throw a party for like a big dinner party for a bunch of my college friends who live on the East Coast. <laughs> Hardly anyone has RSVP. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> um, what? Really feeling like a big dork on this interview. I hate that. But I started thinking about that and getting really excited about like pulling out my big long table, like getting a million chairs. But what am I thinking? I have not been drinking very much wine lately, and I am like heavy in for rose lunches. I'm like putting my stake in the ground, rose lunches. As I said on Instagram the other day, we were talking about vermouth. I'm like Mm -hmm. getting very into the idea of like vermouths over ice. I'm Mm -hmm. wanting long nights in silk dresses sitting outside. Somehow in this fantasy, mosquitoes don't exist. I'm not slathered in deet. But like hugging old friends that I haven't seen in a long time, feeling the relaxation of being around old friends and realizing that you're still friends, even though you like had a year of not communicating. Oh, and I want to go dancing. I can't wait to go dancing. But the question okay. was, oh, fuck. what was the how question? Will you, well, I'm saying like, how do you start the evening? Like, what are people going to walk into your house and see? What do you envision yourself serving? What are you excited about cooking for a crowd? Okay. I'm excited about the idea of like going to an antique store, a flea market or something and finding a seafood tower. Well, without the seafood on it, like a, like a plattered, you know, a tiered situation. And then I would like to begin making some seafood platters. I want to have some shrimp on there. I want to have, of course, some oysters. Maybe there's like a tray of uni or something, Um, just all kinds of beautiful things. So I'm envisioning that. And I'm envisioning that like kind of in the living room with some really good pet gnats, bubbly, or you can have it. So I would be offering a pet gnat or a vermouth over ice or a vermouth spritz. Oh, first, before that, maybe there's like a little nib situation. Maybe there's a pig in a blanket. I know that's not very summery, but like something. No, I think fun though. And like, fun. we want fun right now. Exactly. And like, I don't want a crudite. That's too boring. But like, I want like yummy finger foods, then a seafood platter, then how am I envisioning the dinner? I'm envisioning the dinner with headdresses. I think everybody has got to have some flair 
maybe you bring your own, maybe I provide it, but like, I think there's a costume element to it. You know what I mean? Like the music might be blaring. Yes. I know is rare for me, but music blaring, candles going, sensual. Yes. I love that so much. And just like free to be whoever you want. I'm yes. Yes. Long silk, very into maxi dresses this summer. Just wearing whatever I really want and not being worried. I want to be in covered in makeup. I want to have the makeup, so much makeup on. You can barely see that I even have a face underneath. Um, (laughs) I want to, ooh, then maybe like a a dessert that's comically large. Like imagine like making a pavlova that actually covers like half of your table or something. Or like a chocolate. That was my next question. Oh, it was about pavlovas? Just like what desserts are you excited to make? Because that, you know, it's hard. People don't make big desserts for one or two people, you know? So it's an excuse to make a giant pavlova, basically. Yeah, a giant pavlova, like a comical, a comically sized chocolate mousse. Like, actually, I'm kind of enjoying this idea of like playing with size, I think is really fun. Like, yeah, like super huge that usually would be individually portioned or. Yeah. How do you think that this past year has influenced how you cook, how you prep, how just your how you are in the kitchen? I don't know, man. I am feeling like in a bit of a rut, to be honest. I cooked some stuff in Hawaii that I just did not think went very well. And Mm -hmm. I was quite disappointed in myself. Harkening back actually to what you said in your interview about like philosophy of food being like, hey, it's never going to be perfect and just kind of allowing for that. Yeah. Instead, I was like very angry with myself. I just have this feeling of like, things in the kitchen are off kilter for me right now. And like, I need to rediscover what actually tastes good to me. It's very weird. Yeah, I don't know. Like I feel almost like not as excited by my own cooking, by my own cooking or like by eating in a way as I usually am, which I don't know if that's also like, we're coming, like we are coming out of this and like, I'm wanting to go to all of these restaurants, but the excitement of everything is almost too much. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly if it changed or I also spend a lot of time, you know, in the kitchen with my dad when we were living with my parents. And I feel like, so I spent a lot of time actually not cooking. And I almost feel like I have to reacclimate myself with the act of cooking. I also think like eating all my dad's food, he's so, he's so talented and his food is so good that Mm -hmm. I was almost like, oh, I'll never, I'll never get there. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You're there. No. Well, so just kind of like getting comfortable again with in the kitchen, I guess. What a weird thing to say, but it's true. Making it joyful again. I think it became, it had, it became very kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like quotidian. Yeah. Yes. Quotidian for a lot, a lot of people. Um, and I think you too, even though you, you, your dad did cook for you a lot. You, you and Harry also spent a lot of time by yourselves and that's three meals a day. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. One thing also though, you guys got into this, uh, this pandemic as if there's going to be more. Oh my God, I pray now. No. Um, is fasting. Tell our listeners which, because there are all different kinds of, of fasting that people do and like how, why you love it and the benefits, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So my dad has been doing intermittent fasting for like the last maybe Long time, right? 10 or 12 years, like quite a while. So he's been doing it for a really long time and he 
started doing it for the purposes of longevity and then like also lost a tremendous amount of weight from it. And he does the five and two. We all do the five and two, which is basically we eat five days a week and two of the days you fast and fasting means like you can eat up to 500 calories. You can eat nothing. You can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And I actually really, really like it. I was not expecting to enjoy it. I, I wanted to do it with Harry. I was like, Oh, let's do this. Like, especially with a pandemic, like who knew what was going to go on? I was like, am I going to ever exercise? I'm scared. I'm just going to be eating like goldfish on the couch for the rest of my days. You mean like the days that you're not fasting or when you are fasting? Yes. No, I'm saying, sorry, like before I started, because I've only been doing it for, oh, since oh, the oh. pandemic started. So I'm saying like, I was worried that during the pandemic, I was suddenly going to become like a lump. on. Oh, the oh so I see. Like, I, I should see. probably do something proactive, but for me, it also like allows me to not have to on the days that I am eating, which are all the other days, obviously mm-hmm. I don't eat, I don't think twice about what I'm putting into my body. Like I don't feel any feelings about like eating a whole baguette or like a piece of pizza or anything. Like I feel very much like I can eat whatever I want and not, which that sounds so, I don't know, like that sounds so annoying and like it doesn't. It doesn't. But do you it's know what I mean? In a course. way, it's like it takes the thought actually out of out yeah. of the eating because I don't have to think about what's going into my body because it doesn't affect my body. As opposed to being like, well, like I'm worried that I'm gaining weight, like I should stop eating gluten or something. Like I can't do that. That is never going to work for me because I love food too much and I love to eat too much. And then I also feel like having two days that are built in to like give your body a reset is very nice. I'm really like you don't do them back to back. Obviously it's just two random days. Exactly. So I do it on Mondays and Thursdays. Harry and I both do it on Mondays and Thursdays. And so do my parents. And I don't know, I think we all really like it, which I, Mm -hmm. I was not expecting. And I keep on being like, it's for longevity. It's for longevity. (laughs) But in reality, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's nice to feel good. And it's nice to feel like my body is, is, um, not constantly being stuffed, I guess. So. so I can only imagine that like starting that during the pandemic is the best time. And it's probably way hard for people to jump into a lifestyle shift like that who, uh, when it's not the pandemic, just because there are more obligations, are you getting nervous as things start to open back up and like your schedule does that, you know, there will be days where you, or weeks that I'm sure you've had in the past where like there are dinner plans every night, you have lunch meetings, you, you know, you have you have all these obligations where you don't, where of course you could go, but you don't want to be the person in the group who's like, I'm just having tea with lemon. I mean, I just subscribe to the theory of like, hold on tightly, let go lightly, which is like, yeah, do it as long as it works. And then like socializing with people and like enjoying yourself should always take precedent to me, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to not go to a group dinner or to dinner with a friend or see a friend just because I'm like, Oh, it's my fast thing. Like that, that is at that point, I think it starts to veer into like eating disorder territory of, Mm -hmm. you know, caring more about being kind of scared that if you do put something into your body on that day, suddenly like you're going to balloon. So I think it's just like, you know, see what works. Maybe I'll switch my days or many weeks. Like I was just in Hawaii. Of course I didn't fast. I was on vacation. Right. So I think there will probably be many weeks when I don't do it, but for now I'm going to do it. Does it ever make you nauseous on the days that you're doing it? No, it's like weirdly incredibly easy. Huh? It's like, but cause you, I I mean, you often like don't have one. I like, yeah, I guess I do it 
Yeah. Right. Like exactly. inadvertently. I hate yeah. breakfast and lunch most days. Right. So I think it's actually <laughs> like you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it for just kind of different hours, right? Instead of doing yeah. it two days a week, like you're eating dinner every night, but you're fasting like 16 hours a day, which is another way that people do it, do intermittent yes. fasting actually. So see, you're already doing it. Woo. <laughs> Um, now I have a selfish question. Where do I go eat on the Upper East Side or Midtown East? Sorry, everyone who's not in New York, but I'm planning a special night and I don't know where to go. And I know Sophie. Pull up my map, baby. Okay. Midtown East. Ooh. Okay. Midtown East. You should go to Kajitsu. Kajitsu is a very, very good Japanese vegetarian restaurant. Also Sakagura. You've been to Sakagura. Oh yeah. We went to Sakagura with, um, Oh, with Micah. Exactly. Sakagura is great. You can listen to his episode as well from season one, I believe. Upper East side, East pole, very reliable and great. Maybe something a little special. Oh, okay. I've been to East pole. It is so reliable and great. Okay. I am uh, going, I'm very excited. We're going to a magic show, which is my favorite thing, but like an old school one where like you have to dress up. It's really small. It's mostly card tricks. I'll send you it. Oh my God. Send it to me immediately. Okay. Yeah. You guys should come the same night. Uh, yeah, I would love to. I've never been, but Sushi Noz, N-O-Z. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. It's supposed it to be is. Incredible. Yes. Donguri. Sorry, I'm hitting you with all these Japanese places. Oh, okay. And then Jojo. Jojo, baby. What's Jojo? Jojo is a Jean-Georges restaurant that I also have not been to, but I think it's supposed to be like very, very good. Um, are you going to have a 4th of July party? I'd like hmm. to be invited to one this year. Well, I'll invite you to one. But this is actually part of what's weird to me about coming out of the pandemic is I don't feel that excited about hosting right now. I'm like Mm. desperate to go to other people's parties so that I don't have to do the fucking work. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people are feeling that. And that's, thank God, all these restaurants are opening back up, right? Yes, I know. I'm like complaining about not being invited. And then I'm like, I'm also not inviting anyone over. Yeah, yeah. And guilty. You know, everyone is saying it's it's hot girl summer. It's hot girl summer. You and I are saying it's hot chip summer. I have another option that I think is actually stronger than hot chip summer. Do you think that it is actually possibly halloumi summer? Whoa. <laughs> Are you with me? Hot loomy summer? Hot loomy summer. I love it. It's everywhere. I know if I see one more fucking thing about cheeses, you can grill. Yep. I love halloumi though. You know what I love? It's so squeaky. So squeaky. You're like, what I was you just talking to someone it? who hated that. And I was like, oh, well, this is not your, you're not the <laughs> oh. market. We can't be friends. You're not in the market for hot loomy summer. Yeah, I think it probably is a halloumi summer. I also was reading something by Hannah Goldfield in the New Yorker. They did a newsletter interview with her. And she was saying that she's like really sick of seeing cauliflower on menus. Like she's sick of having to eat cauliflower because it's on every vegetarian menu. Wow. And it's like a hot ingredient. So I also feel like cauliflower might be big right now. Are you going to be grilling a lot of halloumi? Is this what you're yeah. trying to... I think so. I think I'm just going to jump on this trend. It's everywhere. I'm not going to be like, "Ah, I'm past it. I'm not past it. I love it. Now other people are catching on. That doesn't mean I abandon it. I think it's a great appetizer. I made um, some grilled, delicious local grilled purple asparagus with some grilled halloumi 
kind of on it on the side. So good. I think with some grilled fruits, it could be great just on a salad. It's fun. It's festive. Again, I'm all about festive, special, sometimes nostalgic, but just, I think this summer is all about that. Pigs and blankets, halloumi. (laughs) Halloa, halloo at me. (laughs) Also, you know, another cheese I love that starts with the same first two letters has nothing to do with halloumi, Havarti. I love (laughs) Havarti. What is it? Is it like, I mean, I know it. It's like a harder Swiss. No. It's not. It's kind of soft. It's a holier Swiss. It has way more holes than Swiss, but it's soft and it doesn't have, I don't like Swiss cheese weirdly. It's okay. I don't love it. I'm very overrated. It's something about like how it gets into my nose that I don't like. Um, Havarti does not do that. Havarti is much softer in its in its flavor profile. Anyway, but Halloumi, I'm on this trend with you. I'm down. Um, summer slaw. I spoke last week about the Ali Slagle slaw, which I thought was left something to be desired. What are your, I know you're German. Are you, are we salting the cabbage? Are we vinegar? Are we mayo? What's, what's on the slaw? I'm definitely pre-salting my cabbage. I always pre-salt my cabbage. Then I rinse it. So I go, heavy on the salt. Then I rinse it. And then I put it in my salad spinner. That's so many steps. It's so not that many steps and it makes it so much better because I want my cabbage to be like, I want to be able to like whip it around, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. want it like, yeah, like stick straight. Like I want it uh, flailing floppy floppy. Thank you. So I'm going to be doing that. Then I love a slaw. That's just lemon juice and olive oil maybe with like some cumin or some white pepper or like one other flavor profile, like a, a, a fennel seed with some lemon zest or something, but summer calls for a creamy coleslaw. So I think it's going to go classic, but you know, I go a little less heavy on my Mayo. Mm -hmm. Like when I make a, the sauce, I don't want it to be super creamy. I want it to look creamy, but have the texture of water. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. That's so good. And then like at the bottom of the bowl, you have a lot of that and you can like put that like maybe on your hot dog. Whoa. Like yeah, a burger. Mix that with some vodka and serve it to your yeah. guests. <laughs> I mean, like actually maybe I would, th- that would be like a slaw gimlet. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Actually, I think it probably wouldn't be bad. It'd probably, no, it'd probably be pretty good. Yeah. yeah. The question that does not even need to be asked, but if you were on a desert island, what so on and so forth. Okay. I'm just going to go. I wasn't expecting to say this, but I'm here now and I'm being asked the question. And my feeling is a, a ruffles, like a classic ruffles. Cheddar? So. No, plain. Don't you feel like ruffles are the only people who make cheddar chips that are good? I mean, everything they make is delicious. Like I, I like that it has like, it has some heft. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect amount of salt or, oh my God, hold on. I might have to rescind my answer. No, that's terrible. I can't. I won't do that. I'll go with my ruffles. You can. I was going to say I would go with the English definition of chips and then I would do like um, a waffle fry. Denied. Denied. Exactly. Request denied. Request denied because there ain't no deep fryer on the island. I said I would go with the English definition of chips. Isn't that chips. Isn't, not isn't not that French fries? fries? Yes, exactly. So I'm saying 
But you can't have that on an island. The whole point bitch, is that it's in though. a bag. It's in a bag. And I'm going to tell my PR person never to schedule me for an interview with you again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's in a bag. It's got to be in a bag. Okay, I'm going Ruffles. Ruffles. Final answer. Final answer. Delicious, perfect with cheeseburger. That's it. Would you say that Ruffles are almost like the... um like a like the rigatoni of chips, like they've got all the the rib, or maybe the fusilli, like something where, that catches dip well, the way a, a certain pasta shape might catch a sauce. And that's what I'm saying, right? It's like the like a ruffle can really stand up to whatever dip you're going to give it. Whereas like a classic glaze, while they are probably my favorite chip, it's gonna not going to stand up to it. It's going to break. Well, I'd say that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure everyone would agree. That, wow, what a gal. What a what gal. A gal. gal. <laughs> Thanks for My doing that, Ari. Gal. I actually, I really do have to say, I felt like you were much better at interviewing me than I was at interviewing you. I felt like I was trying to go like, I was trying to get like both breadth and depth. And I think you were just like, let's stay, what's the word? Like just au courant. That's very sweet, but I think it is so like you to turn something around that's supposed to be about you and make turn into a compliment about something someone else. No, no I mean it. No, you are so lovely, and your interview was perfect, and it made it forced me to reckon with big food questions and ideas. And I appreciate that. Well, we have different styles. That's why everyone listens to our show. And speaking of which, we're going to take a brief little season hiatus, but we'll be back for season four at some point soon, but we're just going to go enjoy our summer, but we will be on, on the chip hour clock. Yes, exactly. We know that we did take a really long break from chip hour. So we're getting back on our chip hour. We're back on our chip hour, but we thought we would just take a little break also to line up, you know, a whole spate of interviewees for next season, which guys, it takes time. If you have people who you think would be fun for us to interview, let us know. We're trigger happy with DMing random people. So yep, you okay. tell us and we'll try. We'll try. All right. Lovely chippies and non-chippies. If you're not a chippy, just come to Chip Hour, Instagram Live. Yeah. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Hour, guys. Uh, it's really fun. I mean, we have fun at least. But if you're not on Instagram, hey, good for you. I get it. Stay off. Yeah. We love you. We'll see you next season. That's right. Ciao. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.